You're listening to the Underdog Sports NFL Show with host Chris Horwadell and Mario Hines. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show. Chris Horwadell joined by Mario Hines. Mario, how's it going? It goes great, Chris. Best weekend of football I've ever experienced. Oh my God, crazy. Residue still stands, man. It created a lot of football fans, probably youth, like now love the sport as the best sport they've ever or ever, ever seen and will ever hopefully take part of. Yeah, and um, okay, I, w- I want to talk about, this is, this is really interesting. You just opened up a line of conversation that I hadn't considered. Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about everything. We got the conference championship games this weekend. Uh, I've got BavadaSportsBook.com open in front of me. We're going to look at the lines for the conference championship games. They've got some uh, some specials, some projected lines for what the Super Bowl matchups could look like. I want to talk about those too. But before we get into all that, and before we get into how magical the divisional round was, because goddammit it was, <laughs> you talked about hope. You said hopefully they get into it. Hopefully they play. What are your thoughts on when kids should start playing tackle football? Ooh, that's a good one. I can only not I can only, but I'm going to I'm going to use my own experience as a affirmation, confirmation for my thoughts on this Uh, in the day uh, of seven V seven football being, you know, at this point, a spectacle, AAU basketball. It's legit. So you're going to get your reps. You're going to get development uh, on anything outside of the trenches. And now they're even they've even got linemen challenges and stuff where you can get technically sound. So, boom. You're getting your skill development. So you don't need to beat up the body and start gain you can start gaining muscle memory for the tackle. I would say seventh grade, maybe sixth if you are So can you can you sorry, can for those people who don't know, can you talk to the basic differences uh aside from the obvious in regards to seven on seven versus traditional eleven on eleven? Yeah, so seven versus seven, uh the what we know it as today, the circuit, um, is just group pass. Is there's a group pass session Every in every level of football, high school, professional, college, where you're working on pass plays, you're working on timing, you're working on your technique. Well, that's developed into a true um, developmental circuit where, you Mm -hmm. know, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, defensive backs and linebackers. And then you got your hybrids uh, get together and they run plays. There's specific now seven versus seven rules that uh, slightly mimic, um, you know, the timing of a pass rush or, you Mm. know, the, those types of things. So you really get to, to learn scheme. You get really get to learn technique. You get to grab reps um, and you get to limit the, the impact. So that's what seven on seven is right now. And what does, what does a traditional, what does your average seven on seven unit look like? What is it comprised of? All right. We've got, Four wide receivers, typically, you may sub that in for um, two running backs. You can have your tight ends, which is why we see an an explosion in hybrid receiving tight ends because of Mm. of sevens. Um, You've got your safeties, nickels especially are coveted, but safeties, corners, linebackers. Um, There are no centers. There's a a stand that you, a a T, there's a seven versus seven T that has a four second clock on it. That four-second clock mimics the pass rush. Quarterbacks get four seconds right. uh, to pass the ball. Okay. Are you comfortable with 
I guess, I guess the question boils down to knowing what we know about the the tr- the brain traumas that the players are suffering, and not just NFL players, but college po- you know guys who play college football, hell, guys who played high school football. Mm-hmm. Um, how comfortable you have a child, you mm-hmm. have a son. How comfortable uh, would you be? I guess what age would you feel comfortable letting him play contact football? So this is a loaded question, obviously, but. I think it's still too layered if I go the simple the simple answer. So first I'll go with this just straight timing, age, um, more so class. Uh, I would say seventh grade, maybe sixth if he's physically developed or, you know, physically developed or skill developed. Like it's just not serving him anything to play with, you know, other sixth graders. So maybe he can. Yeah, play, we, we all see the like the Bo Jackson running backs in Wee football. Exactly. Like and then, and then they end up no one. So um You've got that. And then, but I think more importantly now, Chris, is program slash coaching Mm -hmm. staff, because if they are using all the different tools and resources they have to develop players, you know, you've got a coach that really is into seven versus seven for what it should be. Again, not the the hustle market and the AU and all, but like really the, the development, then they're still working in the weight room. And then when you get them in their seventh, eighth grade high school years, that you slow grind the tackle part, you really work technique because they're getting the other stuff, you know, all the 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 rest of the year, off season, all that stuff. So they're getting the skill part of it. Then you can slow grind how to make sure you're properly tackling, how to make sure you're properly receiving a tackle, falling, and then you're just going with football because you're also mm-hmm. learning football concepts during the off season with sevens and all that stuff. So everything else becomes more safe. Um, so if yeah. there's a program that's doing that well. Then I'm comfortable with you know sixth seventh, uh, sixth seventh grade entry. I think this is interesting because you know I, anybody who listens to the show probably knows your unique history with the sport, having played professionally both domestic and abroad. Mm-hmm. But you know I I think it allows you for a degree of insight that the average person doesn't have. And uh, I don't know like my perspective, and I am a cautious person by nature. Like I would be terrified to let uh, let my child play tackle football that young but i would also need to do a lot more research into exactly what they're getting into now let's say your kid uh your kid does show an interest in football at what point would you say hey maybe working out's a good thing okay this is also layered and also before i hit that i want to say that similar to you parents that wouldn't have any you know background information or, or any nuance behind it they're the ones that are usually throwing them in earlier <laughs> to get the onus mm. off of them picking the right time. Again, that's why I say trusting the coaches program is important. But for weight room, getting stronger, it's relative. You want the strongest an athlete can be first is core strength. So you want them learning core strength and, and core function. That means like their back, stomach, you know, shoulders are relatively sturdy and can do what you ask them to do. I want to start that as soon as possible. So we're talking 10 years old. You want to get them inside of something that's movement-based, um, that's strengthening those motor skills and that core strength. But I'm going to have them doing like tiny little deadlifts in the garage? No, no. So deadlifts are definitely mass builders. They help with function, um, but they don't uh, establish function. So... I wouldn't do the deadlift. I'm not even a huge deadlifter, if depending on your position, even. Um, 
but it's it's hard to say because I know Tyreek Hill's a, a big deadlifter, um, and and you can see that he's small but strong and explosive. So, you know, you've got that that sort of thing going. I wasn't so ten years old. We're built. We're we're working on the core. There we go. Ten years old. Basic movements, push ups. Not even sit ups. More so, just core stuff. You know, planking. A lot of functional running, jumping, landing. Things that'll strengthen all that stuff. I always thought push-ups were weird. Like, <laughs> I, I, well, okay, but because they, and just like, just like uh, bench presses, there's, there's different difficulty levels for people based upon arm length. Mm-hmm. And I am someone like, I'm a reasonably strong person, mm-hmm. but I also happen to have giant gorilla arms. Yeah. So I've, I've always had a hard time with push-ups and, and, you know, any sort of weight on a bench press just because I have weirdly long arms. Now, if I had short little stubby arms, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a lot easier. Absolutely. And that's it's interesting you say that because, again, it goes back to who's training, who's coaching you. Some people would just say too bad, but all exercises, <laughs> all exercises aren't created equal. You know, the, for some for a long armed, you know, corners, DBs, linemen, you know, and then there are some linemen whose arms are longer than other linemen, but bench press won't get you the thing that you want it to get out of you. Um, so you do other supplemental push exercises to just, you want that. There's a, there's a certain area that where the power comes from and doing a push up would over fatigue that, and you wouldn't even get it. But most coaches would just say, get down there and we'll be here all night until you give me my 10 push ups, Chris. Ugh, I did. I did not enjoy that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Back in uh, back in the old high school days. Yeah, we'll be here all night. For, yeah, like for real, we're gonna be here all night. Like <laughs> I, I hope you guys don't have plans because we're not going anywhere. You, you should probably get some shots up in the corner. At least have, make this work for everybody. Exactly. That's just me, and I'm a coward. Um, no, I thought that's interesting. I've, uh, I'm glad we got into that because you know you do have a unique perspective there, and it's it's such a divisive topic. It is. It is, and I I, I don't stand anywhere in terms of the right decision or wrong decision. I would be sad if the sport deteriorated and no one wanted to do it, but I would also simultaneously yeah. understand completely. It's weird that technology hasn't caught up to this problem. <laughs> it is weird. Almost conspiracy weird, but I don't know if I could go that far. Cause it does feel like, and we, we saw like the, the crazy Martian helmets in baseball for a while that were, that were kind of popular <laughs> But it, it is weird that we haven't seen, and I know there's been, you know, helmet technology has obviously improved since the days of like Dick Butkus and so forth. Right. When they're like, ah, eh, we wear a helmet, don't wear a helmet, whatever. But like, it's weird that it hasn't gotten to that point. I feel like this, <laughs> I, it's easy for me to say, I feel like it's, it shouldn't be that hard to fix this problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, that, that comes from someone who doesn't have to fix it. But it, <laughs> from the outside, it does feel like, this is a fixable problem. Like add, you know, more, I don't know, throw some, throw some cushioning in there and it's all good. <laughs> you know, it's weird because two things are happening, uh, that I've noticed. And, um, one company who I won't shout out until they, you know, you know, I love you, mm-hmm. but I don't love you that much. They're doing a really good job of understanding what's actually happening, uh, real time. Um, they're actually in the seven for seven market, um, and, and in the tackle market. But mo- what I've seen mostly is, they're trying to rule change the things out of the game, which is the wrong aspect of doing it, I think. Uh, yeah. And then 
the helmet thing that that's going on is um they're, they're making lighter more less uh they absorb impact but you're also creating quicker missiles so mm-hmm. so you know you, you're not you, you're you're saving one thing but adding to another thing and you know i think there's got to be something where it's like where are the 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 key points of impact based on you know how the sport is played not necessarily trying to stop people from being as fast as they are it's that's kind of what we're doing with the rule thing and then also giving them equipment that makes them faster every single thing that we're doing with clothes with jerseys with cleats is making players faster Mm -hmm. and and also weight training yeah well yeah it is uh it just always blows me away thinking about how many of the players that we just idolized growing up, the players who were the reason that we love football, wouldn't really have a place to play anymore. Like, what is what is Brian Dawkins in a modern day NFL? What are any of the hard hitting safeties who were the guys who who made receivers fear going over the middle? Oh my gosh, isn't Martin Hanks in one of the weirdest positions in the mm-hmm. world right now? Like he has to say all the time this is not appropriate for the game and i'm like sir sir (laughs) sir do you you remember your friend ronnie (laughs) like you were best friend you he you probably relied heavily heavily on that type of stuff yeah well it's funny though because in that secondary you had really both sides of the coin you have ronnie lott one of the most physical human beings to ever play football then you have deon sanders yeah who's like tackling (laughs) <laughs> the guy won't like even that, catch it. That's for the safety. Yeah. So that's not a me problem. <laughs> exactly. Kind of like Trayvon Diggs. Exactly. Like, oh, Trayvon is from the well, he played receiver, but at this stage, he's from the Dion school of uh bait and pick. And I mean, without the the overall savvy, I think it shows that he's a receiver convert. I think the the astronomical success that he had early on actually kind of hurt him because it allowed him to play into those like diva esque tendencies. Yeah, and be like, that's not what I do. That's not what that's not what I do. I get interceptions. I don't make big hits. Exactly. And now you're out of position on double moves routinely. It's the worst. Oh, there was a like a handful of weeks ago when they played the 49ers and uh, and Debo caught a ball in front of him off of a double move. It was amazing. Like that guy, Trayvon Diggs takes such amazing routes to the ball when the ball is in the air and such terrible routes to the ball when the ball is in someone's hand. Exactly. And not his fault, but his fault. You know what I mean? Because it's his fault. (laughs) He's definitely not paying attention. If in practice they're doing it, you have to work your angles. He is not paying attention to practice when they're working tackling angles. There's no way. Yeah, that is not a straight line, sir. Yeah. There is uh, there are detours there. You, I think you stopped at a rest stop at one point. Not, uh, yeah. I mean, hey, that guy can. That guy is really good at what he does, but he is really. Uh, I'm not gonna say bad because we don't know that for a fact, but disinterested in the other aspects of it. There you go. Um, really, really, really good weekend. I think you said it was the best weekend you can remember of uh, football action. I have a hard time. I have a hard time arguing with that. Four games. Basically, each one better than the last, culminating in one of the greatest games that we've seen in a very long time. Let, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the earlier games first, though, because oh, man, some really really interesting storylines are potentially playing out for the immediate future of the of the National Football League. 
And we go to those games on, well, first of all, you have the Bengals beating the Titans on a field goal and Evan McPherson becoming the first player in NFL history to have four field goals in two different games in a single playoffs. And uh, by the way, Evan McPherson has played in two games in his career. In his career. He's a rookie. <laughs> there you like, go. He literally perfect. He's, he's never kicked less than four field goals in a playoff game. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but then we get to the 49ers Packers game, man. And this is a game it felt like the 49ers, even though they, they were down into the, into the fourth quarter, really. I kind of felt like they had control of the game in a weird way, pretty much the entire way through. Packers never looked good. Aaron Rodgers didn't look sharp. Yeah. And um, then we get to the 49ers winning on that, and that Robbie Gould field goal, the, the second game-winning field goal in, in two games on Saturday. We saw another one the first game on Sunday. We saw that shot of Aaron going into the locker room in Lambeau, and is is that the last time we're going to see Aaron Rodgers wearing a Packers jersey going into the locker room at Lambeau? Absolutely. I really do. I hope people put that in their photographic memory. I hope they enshrine it, if you give a damn. But hmm. it's it's a wrap. I, I think that there's... You say it's a wrap. Okay. Some, some talk came out. Some talk started that maybe Aaron Rodgers could consider retiring. As a matter of fact, Bovada has odds on that. They actually have, uh, they, they don't think it's true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. In terms of, will he play week one of the 2022, 2023 season is minus 1200. No is plus 600. Mm. Do you think there's a chance that he hangs it up? I think it's, it'll be talked about. I think he'll uh, flirt with it and he won't flirt with it in the way of um, non-comment. I think he'll actually, not talk through it with us, but I think mm-hmm. he will mention yeah. it, you know. I think Jake from State Farm has a better shot of being part of that conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it actually might be part of the marketing campaign. No, but I really do think he's going to... I sincerely think he's frustrated with certain things in the world. I think he was probably... You think he's Kyrie? I think in in a way, but not in the same way. I think that he's okay. legitimately upset with the reception he got socially mm-hmm. i think that he's the type of person that is kind of is is so aware of other things that he's uh ironically unself-aware outside of football stuff like very knows his skill set very well in football and mm-hmm. so when the backlash and then continued backlash and then him explaining and what he believes to be a reasonable intelligent way continues to have people think he's an idiot I think that bothers mm. him in a way that's like, then I'll just leave everyone alone. I think he has elements of that in him, and that will be the talk. That will be the discussion. Well, I think that isn't that the "fuck me, no fuck you" attitude. Exactly, from Aaron Rodgers. Exactly, and I don't think it will win out at this stage where I sit. Mm. Uh, but it could change. But I just think a team would, would would be willing to pay too much, and he wants to win, and he can go some places that where it's it's possible. Well, we're already starting to hear rumors about where that could be, but Bavada also has odds for where he's going to play next year. The uh, The Green Bay Packers are the default favorites at plus 160, mm-hmm. followed very closely by the Denver Broncos at plus 210, the Pittsburgh Steelers at plus 400, the Dolphins at plus 6, Philadelphia Eagles at plus 800, mm-hmm. the Browns plus 950, Raiders plus 1100, and the Nolan Saints at plus 1500. I mean, Saints is new. I got to check the temperature on them. I, 
knee jerk will put me in, in them in the running for me. But without a coach, who who knows? Who who the hell knows? That was a weird situation too. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, yeah, but that yeah. was a weird situation. Um, and then I mean, give me Miami for for reasons. I mean, Florida for reasons. Uh, yeah. I mean, Denver makes sense. It's it's a place quarterbacks want to be. I think that I'm I'm printing those Aaron Rodgers Broncos jerseys. Already. I mean, you, if you think about what he likes to to create and the skill sets he likes to bring in for his his core, he it's it's ready made. Rumors came out today that uh, he and Devontae would be good teaming up in uh, in Denver next year. And that, I'm not sure where this came from, but I, I saw a report that the Broncos would potentially be willing to trade Jerry Judy, Albert O, the big tight end, uh, a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year that could become a one uh, to, to Green Bay for, uh, for Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know what's up, man. Green Bay knows what's up. <laughs> like I, I can't even. They know what's up. I want Judy out anyways. One because I'm, I'm tired of not being able to watch him. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Jordan loves the answer for his, his career. No, no, no. I don't. But uh, you know, it's, it's not a thing where it'll get blocked. It's not a thing. Denver, print them out. Like you said, print those damn jerseys out because I can see it. I can even smell it mile high. The other really interesting story from this past weekend, the other potential last dance, as it were, we started hearing rumors that maybe Tom Brady's ready to go. And we've, we don't really hear that from Tom. Tom's always been the, I want to keep playing. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to play till I'm 112 years old. We started hearing rumors that maybe he's ready to hang it up. Uh, Bavada has odds on that. Will Tom Brady play week one of the 2022, 2023 NFL season? No is plus 185. Yes, minus 280. So, uh, you know, it, it's leaning in that in that yes direction, but mm-hmm. it, it is certainly pretty close. Yes. Which is, not a, which is not a word. Yeah, it can be. It can be. It can be colloquialism. But, man, look, I also think that Tom is considering it in a way that we could not factor in. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's like, it's one of those, man, the game done changed, dog. Like, this yeah. whole A B thing and it's like it's like I can't keep I can't control all the, the elements and the outcome keeps shifting on me. And I don't you know, I think that's a real decision he has to sit with. I don't even think he loves Bruce Arians. So there's a bunch of different reasons why I think he will legitimately say hell to the no the football continue, but I don't think he will ever, ever be able to sleep at night until he physically can't do it. Well, I think it was, I think it's interesting and whether or not these two things are inextricably linked in any way, I don't know, but TMZ, cause of course it was TMZ, uh, asked Rob Gronkowski what he was going to do for next year. And Gronk said, look, if you make me make a decision right now, I'm going to retire. Hmm. I believe Gronk at all times <laughs> when it comes to not playing and leveraging playing versus not playing. I believe him every single time. He does not. He's a wrestling character in that yeah, sense. He's still only 32. That's amazing. He's had so much success. Yeah, he was what, a WWE 24-7 champion or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> That's the success we're talking about. No, man, I believe him. I believe him. I also, he's go, he goes where Tom goes anyway, so it's not even, you know, until we're for sure about Tom, then we're not for sure about Grump. Yeah, here you go. Uh if they're like Rob, you've got to decide right now, right this second. If you're playing next year, I would say no, no, right now. It's two days after the season. 
I'd be like, no, I'm not playing. You've got to give it some time. You've got to rest. I would say, I'll see how everything goes, how everything plays out. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, very clear that there's a there's a Tom Brady lean to that statement. But boy, that would that would hurt. I know Gronk isn't the Gronk of old, but the guy still is money in the red zone. Yeah. It would be it would be difficult to lose he and Tom Brady in one off season. Yeah, I mean, the window for the Bucks seemed you know relatively small it got wider once we saw the tb12 effect yeah uh and now it's like i mean like i said other forces are at play other personalities and shit nobody it's hard and then injuries all that stuff happened it would hurt and then the nfc would just be what it needs to be again and the lions can um can win the north I want to I want to get your take on this too. Um, I've got the coaching stuff up in front of me. We're talking about Sean Payton, but the the Vikings. Well, and I guess the Bears as well. The Bears hire Ryan Poles as their general manager, and uh, the Vikings just hired Kwesi um, Adolfo Mansa from the Cleveland Browns to minority hires. Now, there's been a lot made of the fact that teams are incentivized to actively and aggressively promote minority candidates uh, because they get the two third round picks if they leave for a better job, specifically a better front office job, GM, et cetera, in uh, mm-hmm. with another organization. Is, how, do you, how do you feel about having to reward teams for promoting minorities? I mean... <laughs> if, I, if ever there was a loaded question. Right, 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 right. I mean... You have to do it to get, make change. You yeah. know, it sucks that it's still not its own merit. Of course, it's it, it's trash that it's not its own merit. But you've got to do something. So I don't fault the people that are like, I'll dangle the carrot in front of this this organization to get something done. Now, I can't continue to peel back the layers of if they're sincere and who's sincere and what's there. All right, because then I'll, you know what I mean, we'll, we'll get to a place where what the hell. But if you start to see the change, then... You know, you get your result, and then you leave it in the hands of the folks that are in position. Yeah. Uh, once that change happens, to maintain that change. So, you know, I try not to get too deep into like the hearts of people. If 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 their hearts are moved enough to make you have to incentivize it, and if your hearts move enough to take the incentive to do it, and then it actually gets you a minority hired, and in four years, let's hopefully it's eliminated because I don't want to keep thinking about how fucking how it sucks <laughs> that you have to keep doing it yeah um nine nfl head coaching openings right now which is a, a shockingly high number from oh what God, i thought yeah. we were going to have going into the season nearly one third of the league without a coach i'm on uh, nfl.com and they have a ranking of the all the positions from worst to best uh i don't think it's going to be a surprise to anyone to hear that coming in at number nine is the houston texans nick casario is uh hands-on as a general manager if you uh, if you listen to david coley (laughs) now we're gonna hear you know two names very heavily nick casario and it's weird that this little school in ohio is is such a uh, a breeding ground for football talent but it is uh nick casario is from john carroll he went to john carroll in ohio as did josh mcdaniels and as did the guy who I think is going to be the head coach of the Houston Texans, Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gatman. Oh, it's because of the location of the school. Literally. Literally. It is it is it is in proximity of some major programs uh, and uh, the the coaching relationships. You can just develop strong coaching relationships from there. And they're not bad. 
Um, so that's <laughs> because I, I've been there and I'm like, what is it about it? But um, yeah. it's actually it's actually, you know, within within driving distance. Of There's a, lot a of quality program. bunch of other guys who a bunch of other NFL head coaches and um, and front office people who have come from John Carroll University in Ohio. I should have went there to play ball. No, you're not, wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. You wouldn't be here doing this with me right now. Oh, then then I'm glad. Don't touch the any any multiverse stuff. I want to. I'm glad where I'm at now. Yeah, you could be playing receiver for the Texans. Which is such a bad job. <laughs> well, you might get Deshaun Watson back, but uh, do you think do you think this is the worst opening right now? Absolutely, absolutely. I can't find a uh, a silver lining outside of the fact that you get to start from scratch. Yeah, in that sense, that's the one and only argument that I would make that maybe it's better than the Saints. Yeah, yeah, because the Saints are built specifically, right? Is that what you're? Th- well, they're built specifically, and they're also built very poorly. I think you know we know the NFL salary cap is a is a somewhat fake number, but I think they're like sixty million dollars over the cap next year. They don't have a quarterback. This is not a good position to be in. Yeah, that's why I, when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, there wasn't anything left to keep Sean Payton there. I don't even. I don't blame him. It it wasn't something I expected to see, but when it happened, it was like, oh yeah, I get. I mean, yeah, I would have left too. That kind of thing, I, you know. Yeah, uh, the Giants at seven. It looks like uh, we're hearing a lot of Brian Flores. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings at six. I don't. I don't really have a great feel for that one. Uh, Bears at five. The Dolphins at four. Um. The Jaguars at three, the Broncos at two, and the Raiders at one. Do you do you agree with that? Would you move some of them around? I wouldn't bump the Raiders. I think what they were able to do with their interim coach may have said more about the coach mm. than the roster. I think. I think it said something about David Carr too, or probably also, Derek Carr too. Also, also, so you that's carryover that I don't know is necessarily built in, you know, for whoever takes over the job but um i guess i agree with you the vikings thing i don't have a i thought I, I, quick glance if i just look over my shoulder they have more pieces in place but the mm-hmm. pieces in place are pretty fragile you know outside yeah. of jefferson like you're relying on some guys that miss a lot of time i don't know so yeah uh i like the list outside of bumping the raiders back the let's see cbs here has the jaguars hiring left the jaguars Jesus. <laughs> the Jaguars hiring Leftwich, the Texans hiring Gannon, the Broncos hiring Dan Quinn, who is, man, is such a hot name right now and was such a mediocre coach We've for the Falcons. Yeah. The Giants, Flores, the Vikings, Doug Peterson, the Bears, Brian Dabble, the Dolphins. I feel like we're just throwing Eric Bieniemy out there every year because, uh, you know, minority thing. And we just keep saying he should have a job, you know. My feelings on that are very different, mm-hmm. and uh, and the Raiders, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I know I I went on record a while back saying you know there's no way Harbaugh leaves. I mm-hmm. think uh, he's he's handling it very well in the situation in the case that he does. Yeah. Um. So I've I've softened my stance because he's he's because uh, he's probably going to coach the Raiders next year. He's he's doing it in in a way that um my only argument against it he's doing it in a way where he's he's actually tending to the relationship so he won't stay because of that because he's actually tending to those relationships first I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the entire um, Michigan or, or the organization is 
very pleased with whoever would replace him. Uh, I think that's what's going on. You would on. hope so. Because you know, we, we, in the era of college free agency, it could just be a, a rush out of there. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's doing right by the school and the players right now. I really do. All right. All right, well, let's look at these. Uh, oh, man, we didn't even talk about the, the best game of the weekend. That, <laughs> that Bills-Chiefs game, what was it, 25 points scored in the last, like, two minutes or something like that of the game, something utterly insane. Um, I know this is a uh, really broad and kind of nebulous question, but give me your thoughts on it. Oh, man, I mean, <laughs> what is there to say outside? I was talking to someone, a friend of mine, and I'm like, you can only use hyperbole with this yeah. game. That's kind of where it sits. Like anything else undersells it. So you kind of have to slightly oversell it as likely the best game you'll ever see in football. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it, it may not be. I'm sure there's the, but 25 points in 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 two minutes, under, uh, under three minutes, um, th- 13 seconds getting down the field, 43, I think. 10 yards seconds 30, really getting down the field. Exactly. Yeah, right, right, right. Because they it was time to get the field goal. Um, the fake outrage about the the overtime rules. Because what are you supposed? That game has to end. It's just mm-hmm. a shame that someone had to lose. But someone in overtime had to not get the ball back. Like you can't give the ball back to someone forever. Isn't that um, what college football does, though? I mean, kinda. You get the chance to match, right? You get the chance to match, but. What I watched a Penn State like nine overtime game this year. Exactly. Like with the these are pros, man. These are pros. Yeah, you're so. telling me you wouldn't be excited watching Tom Brady and Josh Allen in overtime five going back and forth trying to trying to uh, convert two point conversions. It's so no. I mean, oh, yes, man. No. I would be that would be insane. That would be insane. <laughs> no, and also it would expose the NFL as not having actually enough plays. They think mm. they have enough plays. But That's don't. true. It's, it's it's like the old Tecmo Bowl playbook. Exactly. Like you can only run. You know, I mean, like I said, these are pros. Like eventually, you don't have a call that's going to catch people off guard. It would get just redundant. Seven uh, consecutive sidearm throws to Jason Kelsey. Exactly. Jason Kelsey, Travis like, Kelsey. Then, then it's matchup. I mean, and then the last but not least is Josh Allen. Welcome, Damn, welcome yeah. to me losing my any any disbelief. I actually felt bad for you. I did. Yeah. Um, you did everything you, you, you could do. But, but he just became the new Jerry Rice. And that's going to be so so annoying when we're talking about draft prospects. Because it's now going to be forever it was Jerry Rice. Oh, a slow wide receiver became the best receiver in football. We know the factual inaccuracies of that. But the, the, common, <laughs> fan, the common fan does not. Now it's going to be with Josh Allen... It's like, oh, yeah, Josh Allen wasn't accurate in college, and he became a superstar in the NFL. Why can't this guy do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was the reason it took me up until this outstanding playoff moment to even lose. And I don't even know if I actually have lost all of the the cringe and reluctance of believing in Josh Allen. It may come right back next year. Don't set – I don't know who's going to actually take this in, but please don't set yourself up and others – for failure. I don't I actually don't know what Josh Allen did to fix his flaws. He has fixed them. This is not being covered up. This is not a prospect who um you're expecting to uh mature and then finally does. Like this is something completely different and it's a one-off. Do not yeah. 
do it. Well, it's I've compared him to Kawhi Leonard. It's the mm-hmm. it's the Kawhi Leonard evolutionary leap that guys just don't take in sports very often. You don't go from being pretty good to an absolute best in the game superstar in the court while correcting your most major flaws over the course of a summer. It doesn't tend to happen. And it does. Yeah. Here we are. And well, Allen actually had a little bit of a regression from last year too. People mm-hmm. aren't really talking mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh he his completion percentage drops from 69% to 63%, which is, I think is a little more realistic where he's going to sit. Mm-hmm. Passing yards dropped a little bit per game. Touchdowns dropped by one. Interceptions went up by five. But, I mean, still MVP-ish numbers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you said, it balanced out. Uh, it was a team thing, and it was – he what, – what I'll applaud him with the drop-off is that he caught – the negative trajectory of yeah. this is the shift and he was able to manage it. And, and, and now we see like, okay, he can do the, the 69 completion percentage in the moments he needs to do them as opposed to it being the entire season. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause th- that was real too. And people like to forget that type of thing happens. He did end up running a lot more 421 yards up to 763 yards. So you worry about sustainability, but he does a good job of not taking major hits and he's a pretty big guy. So, I mean, I don't know, but we're definitely going to hear a lot of, well, Josh Allen wasn't accurate at Idaho. Why can't my guy become a superstar and uh, screw you for that? Josh Allen. (laughs) Screw you for that. Two games this weekend, uh, Sunday. It's going to be our first time. We only have one day of football in quite some time. On Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern time, the Cincinnati Bengals travel to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Bavada has those Chiefs minus a full touchdown, minus seven at home. Yeah, give me that. Give me that. I just think (laughs) they bring any of the energy. That D-line brings any of the energy. That they mm-hmm. brought in that Bills game, which granted, it's won't you, you won't have the same energy. Um, it's over. You know, Joe Burrow did an amazing job, but that O line is the worst in football over the course of 17, 18, now 19 games. It's not like that them playing their best will even, you know, put them in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna be a long day, and I'm hoping it's not a snooze fest where the Chiefs are just in control, not playing their best, but not, you know, and yes, they played once this year. Um, so, you know, whatever. But that was during the adjustment phase for the Chiefs. Give me give me the Chiefs by two scores. Well, I'm going to I did this on on your wrong yesterday with Greg. I'm going to ask the same of you. Give me a predict an exact score. Exact score. Um, at least two scores. So give me. Give me. I think the Bengals script will, is gonna is gonna be really strong. So give me seventeen to thirty one. Uh, so Chiefs thirty one, Bengals seventeen. Yeah. I uh, okay for that. We can give you plus nineteen thousand at Bavada for for mm. that particular wager. I've got to clear some stuff here on the on the card. We can keep track of this. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Round, open the round robin. We don't care about Trey Young. We don't all care about the Bucks. We don't. All right. Well, well, well. Yeah, I guess I don't care about either of those people. Nope. Um. So, judging from uh, what we were hearing you say there, I'm guessing 
with decent certainty that you're going to take the over on the the 54 and a half Bavada house. Yes, yes, and yes. All right, let's jot that down. Go to the uh, the Sunday night game. The San Francisco 49ers travel to Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Or pardon, <laughs> that's not right at all. The Los <laughs> Angeles Rams. Rams, uh, they're, they're begging their season ticket holders not to sell tickets to the 49ers fans. Begging them. Bavada has the Rams minus three and a half. Oh, man. Like, this one I'm just sick of. Like, I, I'm sick of it. I wasn't mad that the uh, Niners beat the Packers. I was not upset that the Rams beat the Bucks. But then uh. when I sat down, I'm like, ugh, the Niners are playing the Rams. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those games. The Rams will win this game. Matt Stafford is going to the Super Bowl in his first year out. People will take unnecessary shots at the Lions. But <laughs> let that not distract you from the fact that the Rams are doing something special that OBJ is has been an amazing pickup. That mm-hmm. Von Miller has been an amazing pickup. That Matt Stafford is who he is, and who he is is better than most. And um, that's going to yeah. beat the Niners most days, especially in this environment. Give me the Rams. Another two-score uh, victory for the winning team. All right, exact score it for me. Exact score. Let's go. Um, Let's go 24-9. Uh, I can't do 24-9. How do you feel about 24-10? I uh, don't like it. 27-10. 27-10. Okay. 27-10 uh, at Bavada, I can give you plus 20,000. Mm-hmm. Another plus 20,000. This is, my goodness, this is where the value is. These exact scores. I know they're extraordinarily difficult to hit, but... Like this is real. This is it's real and it, it's it's dumb. Our two pick parlay right now, Mario Hines. You know, uh, <laughs> this is insane. Our two pick parlay. You get these two games right. You bet a hundred bucks. You win three point eight million dollars. Um, give me my money now. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, we are. You're sitting plus. Three million eight hundred and thirty-nine zero 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 at Bavada for this two-pick parlay. I'm 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 a genius. I'm a genius with picking teams. Um, so like to put that in perspective, sorry, to put that in perspective, a dollar wins thirty-eight grand. Doesn't that make sense to you? <laughs> one dollar, a one-dollar wager wins thirty-eight grand if these two scores hit. That's. Uh, I mean, what do I lose, though? You would lose a dollar. See? See? <laughs> it's pretty easy. Do you, see? Do you see where I'm at with it? <laughs> Don't talk about what you would win. What would you lose? A yeah, one dollar. 100 Come cents. Come on, guys. And gents. And aliens, if you're listening. But apparently not ladies. Jesus, way to be inclusive. Did I say gents again? <laughs> he said guys oh and gents. <laughs> wow, I'm just, wow, Freudian. <laughs> no, no, no. Nobody hears this, your, your blatant sexism. <laughs> no, actually, I have noticed socially and anecdotally that um, parlays are on the rise in the uh, female community, in the woman community as well. So please listen to me for once. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But everyone, everyone run this bet. 
but everybody for real listened to him for once. And actually, is a uh, I'm glad we're getting this in here at the 43 minute mark. Listen <laughs> to listen to my upcoming show. We often talk about the the great show that you do. Praise the phrase. Uh, I've got another show coming out next Friday called In Pursuit of a Parlay: Unimaginable Riches Through Impractical Odds, where Ooh. I'm going to go in. And uh, every week we're gonna we're gonna find my favorite you know seven team eight team parlay and uh, we're gonna see if we can make everybody just filthy rich. Oh my gosh, man! I cannot wait for that, bro. I cannot wait for that, man. That's so fun. Damn. And I'm I'm gonna get rich too. Also. Well, I mean, you you can just do your own picks to get rich. You could do that every week, but yeah, it doesn't. No, hurt it's to have in, it's unethical now. That's now true. the ethics kick in for me. So now you can take advantage of the white man. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about the Rooney rule. <laughs> uh, no, we're never. Uh, I, I, yeah, so like 10 bucks will win me. Uh, 10 bu- I'm going to try and uh, put down 10, 20 bucks a week. See what. Uh, see if we can win us uh, like That's a quarter it, million man. dollars. That's it, man. Can't wait to listen, though, seriously. Yeah, I'm going to have. Uh, we're thinking about the format right now, whether or not it's just going to be me or there's going to be guests or what. But it's going to be fun. We're, we're talking about, by we, I mean I'm talking about, <laughs> uh, we're going to do it on uh, on Twitch. We're going to do it on Facebook Live. All the stuff will be broadcast live as I go through it. And uh, you guys can come interact, give me your thoughts, call me an idiot, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. I'll be there with my idiot sign ready. Thanks, buddy. It's your support that means the world to me. I love you so much. Um, that... We got, th- we got your pick here, 27 to 10. Mm-hmm. So that tends to make me believe that you would lean more towards the under in this particular game. Bavada has the over under at 46. Yeah, I'm definitely going under. The Niners are bringing nothing to the table offensively. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I can't believe we have to watch it. Uh, if you would please show some candor on this podcast, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Constantly masking your true thoughts. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, I don't think there's any chance that this weekend's going to be as good as last weekend. I don't even know how you would do that. Mm-hmm. But here's hoping for two competitive games. I think we're probably going to get zero competitive games. Mm-hmm. But for uh, the fans of a couple of teams, it's going to be fun. We, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the Super Bowl matchup, which is utter craziness. Next week is always a weird week in football where we got that that bye week before the Super Bowl, but we'll find something to talk about. Until then, I've been Chris Horwardell. He's been Mario Hines. This has been the Underdog NFL Show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time.